0: Hey, unless you've been under a rock, you know the NFL is back, college football is back, and the NBA Finals are underway. Prime betting season right now. It's winning season, though, at MyBookie. I don't know about you guys, but a little something-something on the game, whether it's not that much or maybe more than not that much, if you've got a hunch about something, is a lot more fun than just flipping around, oh, there's a game on. Get with MyBookie. MyBookie MyBookie.com, the official website to get your sweet action with this ZabeCast. Go there right now and put your deposit in. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Pretty sweet, right? Plus, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away five grand in cash prizes every four weeks. I mean, come on. Get in on this. It is the best leverage you'll ever get to win a big payday without having to risk losing a big payday. All that and more is at mybookie.com. Promo code Zabe. That's promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha BRAVO, ECHO. Get that 100% dollar-for-dollar matchup. Sign up today and bet with the site I use, mybookie.com. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, it's all there at mybookie.com. Today on the Zabecast, pour one out for Eddie Van Halen, dead at 65, but with a massive rock legacy left behind. Ron Thomas joins me. We'll talk NBA Finals, even though ratings have cratered. Plus, we've got life returning to more NFL stadiums. All that, plus the most fascinating 30-second video clip I've seen in a long time. Your high test, not street legal. 30-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up, and let's
2: go.
1: (laughs) Here we go.
0: Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Let's get started. Eddie Van Halen, dead at 65 on Tuesday. What a bummer. I did not know that he had been sick for some time. He'd been battling throat cancer for almost 10 years, and he was hanging in there. But uh, he eventually, obviously, uh, succumbed to it. The cancer had spread, and it went downhill pretty quick in the last, I think, couple of months. And he leaves behind, obviously, a lot of people who grew up on Van Halen. Excuse me. Grew up on Van Halen. I grew up on Van Halen. And I will not get into the, you know, David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar thing because I don't have a strong feeling either way. I just know that as I was in high school and then into college in the late 80s, they were one of the first bands that I had on my Sony Walkman, you know, the old yellow clamshell plastic portable cassette tape player with the flimsiest, cheapest piece of shit headphones ever that were not comfortable, (laughs) but it was quite the miracle to be able to take with you your favorite tunes, and so I listened to the living shit out of a lot of those Van Halen albums, and the Zabin 5 played more than a few Van Halen songs, including famously jump we tried to play hot for teacher you know the drum riff in hot for teacher requires a double bass or at least a double pedal setup so you can really get going with the why don't you just play it you've got a computer right here okay well i didn't have it up handy but i can can get it up here in just a second let's see if youtube was open at this uh Crazy hour! Oh, yeah, it is open. How about that? Uh, Van Halen, hot for teacher. I called uh, my best bud growing up on the Mean Streets of McLean, Al Nabasi, guitarist in the Zabin Five. He and I were the ones that formed the Zabin Five, and we didn't call ourselves the Zabin Five. I don't even know what our name was, per se, but he was my guitarist, and he now works. I'm very proud to say he works for Fender Guitars, in Los Angeles, my boys all grown up. You know, <laughs> Al was a free spirit. By the time senior year came, Al <laughs> Al had a lot of fun in high school. Alan? <laughs> and he and I sort of parted ways to a certain extent. We parted we didn't part ways. I mean, we lived next door to me. Here's, here's how tight me and Al Nabasi were as kids growing up. At one point when we were kids, we decided a cool thing would be to take fishing wire, string it from his bedroom window, which actually faced away from mine and sort of around the corner, but we set up this little system where it had a a little wheel and a pulley around the corner of the gutter, over to my bedroom window, which was probably a good 50 to 60 yards, so I'm talking about 150 feet, so we could then pass notes to each other (laughs) across the mean suburban streets of McLean, Virginia. And he and I played in various, you know, organized bands together in junior high and high school. But we kind of parted ways with friends groups. He was running with a bit of a faster crowd. And he went to Georgetown because his dad, uh, not because his dad was the head of pediatrics at Georgetown, because Al was is really smart and got really good grades up until his last year of senior senior high school, but he was already in basically. So he went to Georgetown And he had a fucking hell of a great time and basically got kicked out (laughs) in a semester flat. He then went to a junior college out in Arizona. He went to University of Arizona and he's been out west ever since. He's been in adult grown up bands that were really, really good and played gigs and recorded albums, but didn't go too far. He then got a job with Fender Guitars as one of their product development guys. And now he's living in Los Angeles, working for Fender. So I heard the news of Eddie Van Halen passing away, and then I called him impromptu on my speakerphone on the radio, and it was a nice little chat. But we uh, tried to play Hot for Teacher, but it was just uh, too difficult. Oh, hold on. Here we go. Sweet. By the way, can you write a song now called Hot for Teacher? Somebody sent me a news story in which a female teacher, young, 20-something, was charged with having sex with a minor male student, and the last line of the story was from the student saying, and besides, it's every high school kid's dream to make it with a teacher. And I said to myself, I'm like, I'm not reading this on the air. Once upon a time, you could read stories like that and have a bit of a laugh. But in this day and age, no fucking way. People lose their minds. It's not right for uh, you know female teachers to be having sex with young male boys. And there's a reason we should prosecute them. I'm totally on board with that. But it is not the same as the other way around. In my opinion, but I got sidetracked by that. So hot for teacher Van Halen. Here we go. Waldo.
1: Now Waldo,
0: I hope you find <laughs> some friends this year. <laughs> oh, Mom,
1: you know I'm not <clears throat> like a nerdy kid. Nice. His mom, big glasses. I don't know if
0: I've ever seen this video. Oh, by the way, I hope it gets to the song soon enough. No, it's probably not going to. Oh, uh, here we go. There oh man,
1: we go. A,
0: wait a second, man. What do you think
2: the teacher's
3: going to
0: look like this year? <laughs> Here Pareunde. comes the drums. Fucking great song. really is. And the drum riff. I mean, you just got to go at it relentlessly for three and a half minutes. But it requires a double pedal. I didn't have a double pedal as a drummer, and I didn't have a double bass setup. Anyway, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. What a legacy. Okay, there you go. Um Pittsburgh is going to allow 6,500 fans all right, into the stadium for their upcoming game uh, against, uh, who is it? The Eagles, I think it is. And I believe the, the Eagles are going to follow suit, hopefully. I believe the governor of Pennsylvania has said that they can allow outdoor stadiums to allow up to 15%. It's kind of dumb because you think there are people way closer to each other in everyday walks of life. And yet, in a stadium... 6,000 out of 70,000 is totally spaced out. So maybe there's more places coming around on this. Tampa is going to host the Tampa Bay Tom Brady versus um, Aaron Rodgers tilt in two weeks. And they're going to have a limited live crowd there. And the tickets, we checked online and they are expensive $800 basically get in price on up. For what is going to be a limited ticket and maybe last time ever meeting between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay is putting a hold on their plans to bring back fans because uh, Green Bay and uh, the Appleton Valley area is a hot spot right now. So they said an indefinite hold. Why don't you just say a hold? Indefinite hold. We We know it's indefinite. Everything is in, life is indefinite for God's sakes, but okay. Uh, let's see world series tickets have sold out in 90 minutes, only the world series and the NLCS being played in the AL park of globe life. Uh, those tickets have been sold. They're not going to have any fans in Southern California, at least as of now, probably, I don't know, not for a long time. The NBA finals tonight, we're going to talk to Ron about this in just a sec. They are getting crushed in the ratings. I mean, it's been one low after another record low after another record low. And Game 3, which was Sunday night, which was after the drama with the president had kind of tied down, so you can't use that as a distraction or as a mitigating factor. It was on opposite the NBA Finals, a NFL game, these the uh, Eagles and the Niners, not a very good game, and it once again set a new low. That was with Jimmy Butler going crazy and an upset where everyone thought, okay, they're just going to roll over and die. That game should have done a uh, should have done a better rating. Mm. Man, my voice is close; it's close to coming back. It's just got a little bit. Why don't you go see a doctor? I'm going to go see a doctor. Okay? Settle down, everybody. <clears throat> anyway, everyone's saying, you know, the, the the people you know who the usual sources are piling on the uh, get woke go broke thing, and I think there's no question the NBA overdid it with their social justice messaging. No question about it. That said, I got to see what happens when the finals are back where they belong in June, back with a full-ish stadium or a full stadium of fans, and maybe without LeBron. I will entertain the possibility that LeBron has become either toxic or just played out or just unlikable to a lot of casual NBA fans because they're clearly losing the casual fans from the NBA Finals. Those who want to see a high-octane sporting event, they don't really care who wins. They want to see dudes hitting threes and strutting and the crowd going crazy and putting up the three goggles, whether it's Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or LeBron James or whoever. Without that, it's just basketball, basically. you got to be a real junkie like Ron is, and we'll talk to him in a second. But what is notable is that Rachel Nichols, in an interview with Adam Silver, got out of him that, Next year, Adam Silver says, they're probably not going to have much of that messaging on the court like they once had, or this year. He said basically, yeah, the Black Lives Matter and the social justice and the things on the jerseys, it'll be more normal, he said next year. That's pretty big right there. That's as close to an admission from Silver that, yeah, we might have overdone it. Yeah, we might have hurt ourselves just a bit. We'll see. I want to see if the NBA ratings ever get back to the 2019 levels prior to the pandemic and prior to the social justice upheaval or if it's going to be a street fight just to get back somewhere close, but they're never going to get to where they once were. This has huge ramifications, by the way, for the league going forward and for years to come. If you're somebody who has sworn off the NBA for whatever reason, whether you just hate LeBron or if you think the league is rigged or – You don't like the social justice messages or whatever. If you really are like, that's it, I'm out. It's hard to get that person back. They say in business, and I'm not a businessman, that it costs, I don't know how many times as much to gain a new customer as it does to just hold on to your customers. So customer retention, I've been told, I've heard, I've read a few things. Is the number one focus of just about any business because the cost of getting a new customer that wasn't one is so much higher and so much more difficult and requires so much effort and guesswork. It's better once you got a big pile of people to keep them. I think the NBA might have chased a lot of people away and you can assign to their ratings whatever you want, but other ratings are not taking nearly as much of a dive. Yeah. Most, Mostly speaking, everything is down a little bit. The NFL is basically fine. It's down. It's soft a little bit, but it's not down too much. Baseball ratings were actually up 4% when you look only at the regional sports networks. The RSNs showed a 4% increase. Now you're talking with a very small number compared to football, but up is up. You can't argue with that. Up is up. The SEC's ratings are up big. In fact, the Georgia game... Over the weekend, that had what looked like a half-full stadium. That had a 113% increase from a similar game last year. Other college football games are down. So the college football landscape as a whole, mm, hard to say. I'd say it's down, but certainly the SEC is eating right now and eating very well. And I know me as a a casual-ish college football fan. I watched more of the George Auburn game because it looked like a real game. There's people in the stands. That's been a big thing for me. Hey, unless you've been under a rock, you know the NFL is back, college football is back, and the NBA finals are underway. Prime betting season right now. It's winning season, though, at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but a little something-something on the game, whether it's not that much or maybe more than not that much if you've got a hunch about something, is a lot more fun than just flipping around, oh, there's a game on. Get with my bookie. Mybookie.com, the official website to get your sweet action with this Zabe cast. Go there right now and put your deposit in. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Pretty sweet, right? Plus, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away five grand in cash prizes every four weeks. I mean, come on. Get in on this. It is the best leverage you'll ever get to win a big payday without having to risk losing a big payday. All that and more is at mybookie.com. Promo code Zabe. That's promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha BRAVO, ECHO. Get that 100% dollar-for-dollar matchup. Sign up today and bet with the site I use, mybookie.com. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, it's all there at mybookie.com. Media note, Barstool apparently is out at SiriusXM. El Presidente tweeted, I'd say we're 99.9% out of Sirius. We aren't in the same stratosphere in terms of negotiations. We will just move on to new platforms as always. Our crowd will follow as always. This comes out as well as the day that that reported that Howard Stern has apparently signed a new deal with SiriusXM for $120 million. Wow. Good for him. I listen to Howard Stern from time to time because I do subscribe to Sirius XM, and I keep saying to myself, you know, I should probably cancel that because it's not really worth it for me. And there's so many other options out there, like the Zabecast, ding, ding, five bucks a month, well worth it. Come on, support the cause. And I've listened to the Barstool product on Sirius XM. And I would say my criticism of their product is that their shows lack structure. They lack a sort of branding or a focus. It's just their people. Yabada, yabada, yabada. Talkity talk, 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 talkity talk, talk, talk. There is what I consider in the business an ability. Once you have a certain audience through years of being on the radio, once you have your following, there is an ability to selectively, at times go into what I call self-indulgent radio, where you are talking about the foibles between yourself and your co-hosts and whoever. And we do that a decent amount with me, Scott and Sally, and we've been together for a long time. I am always very conscious of, okay, how long have I been going on about inside base, baseball or personal stuff? Or if we're talking about a personal experience, is it relatable to everybody else? When, when, people on the radio or on satellite or wherever get so personal and mundane and it doesn't have any relatability it's self-indulgent radio and it's usually bad. I got that feeling from the Barstool products. I never felt like okay here's this show on Sirius XM this is what they're about they've got a kind of a theme there's a little bit of an organization to them and okay I I get it I, I like I get it and I like it I'm coming back. It was all just sort of scattershot but whatever. Would I like to be back on Sirius XM? Yes. Yes. Hell yes. A million times. Hell yes. Even though I'm threatening to cancel my subscription, it's still a platform that has lots of installation and lots of people listening. And yeah, I'd love to be back on. So who knows? Probably not a place for me, right? They only have 248 channels and half of them are blank or announcing the schedule or Giving you the weather, traffic, and other cities. I know. I don't get the business. All right, let's talk to our man, Ronnie Thomas.
3: Hello, Steven.
0: I am opting out of your traditional intro music. For one of the great rock songs of all time, "Jump" by Van Halen. Can you hear this down the line? I can't. Interesting. It's some setting but I, on mine. My... Believe
3: me, I know what it sounds oh, like. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> I thought you were going to play "Eruption." Maybe
0: could have done that as well. I uh, mean, so just... many to choose from. I'm watching the uh, <clears throat> I'm watching the video for the first time since probably high school, and I was instantly Ron teleported back to being a senior in high school at langley high school and just all the flood of memories and emotions where i heard this song what i was feeling at the time my friends at the time what my life was like and that is the power and the essence of music itself isn't it
3: yeah it really is there was memory uh...
0: machine is what music is
3: It is, especially if you got to see them live, any band, I'm saying. But uh, there was nothing that compared to a Van Halen show. My first show was 1984, and that was the Jump Tour. I sent you the ticket stubs. Yes, Ronnie sent me a
0: bunch of ticket stubs uh, to prove his Van Halen bona fides. Oh,
3: yeah. I mean... (laughs) So good. It uh, it was just so good, and (laughs) every song on the album was so good. Uh, at least you could find goodness in every song. I mean, some of them weren't for everybody's liking because some people were just into what was on the radio. But
0: well, here's the, here's what's just... interesting. I said that you know my band, my garage band, played Jump and we played a couple other Van Halen songs because I said they are relatively simple and they could be picked up by your average teenager with a guitar. What I failed to remember, and I watched it again, was that Eddie Van Halen's guitar solos were fucking unbelievable and incredibly hard and technical. Uh, I know from a drumming standpoint, it wasn't that hard, and the basic structure of the song wasn't that hard on many of the songs.
3: No. And, uh, of course he had the cigarette on the end of the mm-hmm. guitar. If you remember that.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh,
3: Eddie was the best. And the whole story, you know, the whole identity of with Valerie Bertinelli as a wife and she was so hot and they were just, they epitomized. And you went to school in California, you went to UC Santa Barbara. So you know how big they were when you got out there. Of course, by then, they had broken up, I think. Let's see, you graduated in 86 or 85?
0: 86 in high school, and I yeah, went so, to the Harvard of the West.
3: Yes, you did. So, Steve, I have been communicating with my friend, Greg, and he, if you're able to pull this off, I have his phone number, and he's sitting by, and we can have the foremost historian and author in the world on Van Halen, if you can call him right now. He's ready. Oh, well,
0: shit. Uh, go ahead, and uh, can you – you want me to add the call right now? Yes,
3: please. His okay. name's Greg. His book is Van Halen Rising, and it is, I mean, it's the best book that's ever been written about Van Did, Halen.
0: Can you text me the number?
3: <clears throat> I can tell you right now over the phone if you want it.
0: Well, I'd have to edit it out.
3: Then. All right, I'll text it to you, but he's sitting by, so right, hold on. If you on.
0: text it to me, I think I could just punch it on the phone and then connect our calls. Right. I think – We'll see about that. But, yeah, so this is your buddy from where now?
3: Uh, University of Maryland. Okay. I met him. He's from New Jersey. I met him in the dorms, Ellicott Dorm, and uh, we all became extremely close right off the bat. A lot of it was through music.
0: If you and, need uh, to go ahead here, you go ahead and worry about texting that to me. I want to just continue and comment a little bit about this jump video. I had forgotten just how flexible david lee roth was he does jumps and splits and kicks in this video that are insane in tight leather pants as well
3: and he had like the tassels hanging off oh yeah
0: but what's great too is that you know eddie is just so happy and easy in the video his smile is so genuine it's not forced and he is just playing that guitar like you know. Here we go.
3: Yeah, you know what's? Uh, you know I always bring up Indiana. Of course, you have a lot of Indiana listeners. But uh, David Lee Roth was. Hold on, I'm going back to my call here. David Lee Roth grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. Spent time there. His parents were very intelligent
0: people. Right. at Indiana University. By the way. Eddie is playing the keyboard there in this extended keyboard solo.
1: Yeah, he
0: did, he did it all. I just sent you the number. If we can we can yeah. Meanwhile, David we... Lee Roth is doing absolute splits five feet off the ground. Yeah, and you know what a highlight of the... Oh, hold on a second. Okay, I'm calling, and I'm about to merge the calls. It's Greg. Greg, Steve Zabin. Ron, are you with us? Hold on, hold on a second. Merging <laughs> calls. There we go. There we go. Are we in? We're in. Greg, how you doing, Hi, buddy? Here. You're live on the uh, Zavecast.
3: Oh my God, this is a dream. Greg hey, the, Renoff. The author the of Raw <laughs> the legend. You know, I haven't told him, Greg. Well, this is a, a podcast. It's very popular. And the people who listen to this are just gonna love your insight on Van Halen, but I haven't even told the story because we just started about our trip in Wills, Chevy, uh, Vega or whatever we okay. drove. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, Ron, Ron, slow down here. <laughs> slow down. We here. drove to Richmond, Ron! Virginia to see them. <laughs> Ron, slow down yeah. here. Please give a proper introduction. Good, solid radio formatics here. Proper introduction to our guest.
3: All right, Greg Renoff is uh the author of Van Halen Rising, which is easily the best and most insightful and most well done book uh on Van Halen. It's about how a garage band from California saved heavy metal. And uh Greg, it's just great to have you
2: on, brother. Greg, I know it is, sa- it's a, a it it's right. a sad day. It's it a, is sad a sad day. day. I am you know, you've actually made me laugh for the first time in a many hours i uh ron and i go way back and we're old friends and it's a uh great to hear your voice and i'm glad to talk but yes it is said, a sad a sad thing i mean it's the end of an era really so is.
0: so greg you knew ron at
2: maryland i did not maryland <laughs> we listened to a lot of van halen together and that's actually a very happy memory we so, yeah. a lot of van halen together so when did,
0: when did you write this book
2: so i wrote the book it came out in 2015 so i wrote it um over the two or three years leading up to 2015
0: are you a writer are you a journalist what do you do for a living
2: well i'm a recovering academic i actually um, taught college for a lot of years and then uh, when my wife and i had children and we ended up moving to tulsa for her job i ended up leaving academia and so i write full-time and uh, i'm also a full-time uh what would you call me uh gigolo teacher now full-time <laughs> i'm just a gigolo you really, right? you really have no idea what my life is like right now but thank you for that that's that momentary pleasure dude so so
0: so i find it funny you call yourself a recovering academic yes <laughs> i think that's a whole separate podcast ron we're not going to get yeah, into that sure. now. I, I
2: was a college professor for a lot of years i really enjoyed it in all seriousness and it was uh but uh yeah i left academia and uh well, 2015 and then kind of transitioned to doing full-time writing and parenting and all that good stuff so good for well, you
3: steve steve when i hit up greg just moments ago he said uh he didn't answer the first time then he sent me a text and said i'm tutoring a, one of my students for an exam tomorrow can i talk later and i was persistent i said well we're getting ready to do this podcast but anyway greg what uh what was your interest into van Halen? was it did it go back to the college days or was it pre-college i don't remember
2: yeah, i mean I, I started um listening to van Halen and I was a like a freshman or sophomore in high school and I saw them on the 1984 tour and that really did it for me i mean that was that was what made me a a fan and then uh you know the years go on I ended up writing a book on van Halen it was just a product really of me being a fan and then um, being a historian i um you know went to grad school got a phd in history and then kind of became uh obvious to me that no one was going to write their early days story if I didn't write it and i thought Uh, it was a great way to kind of think about the band in a different sort of way that wasn't sort of the quote unquote fame years that everyone kind of knew generally about, but it's been there as Ron said, when we first got on their backyard party days, when they were just, you know, kids, they were like 18, 19 year old kids, just making a hundred bucks a night um, playing keggers basically, you know, that's what they did. And they just put the money four ways. And it was a great, I thought a great um, American success story. And the brothers coming from Holland when they were very young and then coming to the United States and, you know, they, they really lived the American dream and it's, it's uh, hard to imagine there's going to be no Eddie Van Halen um, on the planet anymore because it was such a huge part of my life and so part of everybody's life was a fan
0: your uh your subtitle is how a southern california backyard party band saved it's not too late to make someone's holiday season a special one start now as an amazon delivery station warehouse associate to earn some extra money for the holidays you'd help bring joy to thousands near you by preparing packages and loading them up for their final delivery with night and early morning shifts available through the new year you'd also have the flexibility to spend time with your loved ones to start as a delivery station associate, go to amazon.com slash Amazon is a proud equal opportunity employer.
1: Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you
3: cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cash back match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply.
0: Heavy metal. Tell me how they saved heavy metal. And yeah, I, never, so, I never considered Van Halen heavy metal, but maybe I didn't understand it.
2: Well, so the, the subtitle of the book speaks to the fact that in 1978 when they came out, they would have been called by people in the industry. Anyone who was a fan, heavy metal. So at the time, like queen could have been called heavy metal, like heart. Anything was kind of like loud arena, hard. was guitars, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. I mean, even wow. like, again, it, 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 it was just like a term that has changed Like we think about it, like Metallica or Slayer or right. any number of other bands that have nothing to do with what Van Halen is, but basically, um, yeah, it was just meant to be like guitar driven, hard rock for arenas. That would have been like heavy metal. And so, um, the argument of the book is that in 1978 when van halen came out the music that was popular at the time it's going to be disco soft rock um, punk rock was getting increasingly popular and really a band like van halen was seen by people in the industry meaning record company executives who would sign bands it's kind of like like watered over black sabbath watered over deep purple like kind of like old you know just basically a rehash of the old sound of the early 70s and so that's what i meant by safe heavy metal was that they just they came out and they were able to have this double platinum record in a year when you know blondie was huge the bgs were huge Hmm. just the sound was very different and so those guys kind of came and you know waved the flag for that kind of hard rock again we would call it hard rock today but at the time in 78 they were called a a heavy metal band
3: and greg and you're doing your research i know you did not get full cooperation from the band you had to go deep (laughs) into producers and right yeah friends deep into friends so talk
2: a little bit about that if you would yeah i mean the thing for for me trying to do the the book i really wanted to tell the story of them before they were famous and the thing that was kind of cool about that was obviously before you're famous you can really rub elbows with a lot of people that later in life probably wouldn't have access to you and so these would have been guys they went to high school with bar owners promoters girlfriends. Um you know they were just they were just kids from the neighborhood and that was the cool thing to, to talk to these folks because it was you know you can imagine um you know Ron you're, you were a great high school high school athlete a lot of people could look back and say you know I saw X star now who's in the NFL or the NBA playing yep. you know before they were famous and it's sort of that special thing like I saw this talent before everyone else did. Um, and that's what the people who grew up with Van Halen could kind of say that they saw them in backyards right. and play these nightclubs. There might have been twenty people there at a nightclub, but you know, you could say, "Hey, I was there and saw this band before they were, they were famous." So, and they um, were probably
3: more than anxious to talk about it because no yeah. one had really
2: done this. What you were doing, this kind of correct, a book, correct? Correct. And you know, it was it was meant to be also kind of. I wanted the book to capture that dazed and confused scene of yes. the time. I mean, that's exactly that really is exactly the time when Van Halen was coming up at 74, 75. So it was like a lot of ZZ top they played. They played Man. a lot of, yeah, you know, all that, that early seventies, um, Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin hard rock. And so that was the cool thing too. It kind of captured that, um, you know, before people knew cocaine was addictive and before, <laughs> you know, before people knew about AIDS, all these, kind of Man. all the things that was sort of like, you know, which are sure. a parcel of our life and, you know, wait, growing up um, wait, in a later,
0: wouldn't the <laughs> first person to have done cocaine, wouldn't the first thing they would have said is,
2: holy <laughs> shit, this stuff's
0: addictive. I want that's, more that's of
3: coming, this. That's coming from a dude who's never done cocaine who's saying that, too. The <laughs> yeah. Hey, so tell us, uh, Greg, I know we don't have a ton of time, but tell us something yeah, we you need to know. While you're okay, rushing good. All
0: right. does Greg me, have another uh, but, 10 minutes? Let's just get t- into this here. I got a few questions. Tell
3: me something about Eddie Van Halen that the average person wouldn't know. God, what? I mean, the
2: thing is, the average person wouldn't know about Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I think he was a really a shy person. I think that I, a lot of people when they would look at him jumping on stage and he was a great showman kind of assumed that it was sort of natural bravado, but he was really a person who, when they first started out, um, when he would sing, people told me that Eddie had long hair again. This would have been like 1971. He would have been like 16. He'd let his hair fall on his face, almost like, um, you know, Kirk Cobain style. Like you couldn't right, see his right. face because he was, you know, he wouldn't move around and he was really very, very shy. And I think that, that kind of continued his whole life. He was never, you know, super comfortable with the fame aspects of being a rock star. He would talk about how I'm a musician, not a rock star. Like he would kind of, when people hmm. say you're a rock star, he kind of would get irritated at that going, oh, I'm a musician. Like the rock star thing kind of came with what I did, but that was not, you know, that, and that's kind of the difference there between David Lee Roth and, and Eddie was that Dave was much more of a, you know, he was a, he was a rock star. He fully embraced that whole rock star yeah. thing. Whereas, you know, for all Eddie's fame and international acclaim and playing the biggest stadiums in the world, he, I don't think he was ever super comfortable mm.
3: doing how'd that. They, you know? How'd they all meet, Greg? Yeah, Just quickly, met, you know,
2: an overview. Yeah. They met in, uh, in a, basically at a backyard party. Yeah, and David Lee Roth spotted his brothers playing, um, with their band. The brothers had their own band. And, uh, Dave approached them (laughs) and basically pitched himself as their singer. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Dave, uh, the reason it's funny is because Dave was not a very good singer, you know, but he basically sold himself to the Van Halen brothers and, you know, it formed one of the great partnerships of all time. And, you know, for all the, the sadness of today is, and I've had a lot of moments, it's been really, it's been hard. I mean, it's just kind of, it's hard to accept he's gone, um, to think about this, you know, quirky Jewish guy from Pasadena who's got some money meeting up with these Dutch brothers who think <laughs> Dave's kind of a wacko, right? And the, and and, the, and, and the brothers are like, you know, kind of like, you know, basically socially backwards in some sort of way because they don't get it. Like they don't get like what it means to be a star, so to speak. For those guys to all get together and form a band is just an incredible, incredible story. I mean, it really is. And um, so that would have been around 1973 and yeah, they stuck it out. That's the other thing that's great about the Van Hill story is the, the guys in the band, they stuck it out through a lot of years where other people packed it in and said, ah, hey, we're never going to make it. Those guys believed and they stuck it out well, so they got well, to be. Well, that begs
3: the years. question. That begs the question. Why did they break up? Who couldn't get along oh, with whom?
0: <laughs> Money, fame, <laughs> jealousy, right? Yeah, we don't Money, have a, fame, jealousy. Yeah, minutes, it's the same we'll story. Hour, it's right? every behind the music that VH1's ever done, right? Uh, yeah.
2: Why did they break up? I mean, I think, I think the ultimate reason why they broke up is there was a communication breakdown between Roth and Eddie. And then the other question is whose band was it? I think that for the brothers, they firmly believed to the very end, it was their band. They started it, it was their name, you know, and by 1985 and Roth was sort of at the peak of his, his fame. And he wanted to make a movie and he made a solo record with just <laughs> jiggle and all that stuff. Uh, I think they really took it personally that he was in their view using their name and their band name to basically put himself on the Tonight, literally put himself on the Tonight Show, put himself right. on these you know late night shows. So there's a lot more to it than that, but I think, you know, it was uh, the brothers' band ultimately, and they put their uh, their foot down and said, "See ya."
0: What is the musical essence of Van Halen? What is the oh, core God. of their brilliance?
2: You know, I, I, for me, the core of the brilliance is going to be the songs, and that's really going to come from heavily <clears> from Eddie, who wrote. You know most, if not all, the music that they um, came up from the albums. But it's it's you know even whether it's Hagar or whether it was Roth, there was um, you know just something about Eddie's ability to get on with singers and get in a room and write these these great songs. Um, that was a great thing for them hooking up with Sammy. Was that Sammy was able to step in and not replace Dave, so to speak, which basically be the guy who could take Eddie's musical ideas and turn them into. Singable melodies. You know, Eddie didn't really come up with the melodies; he didn't come up with the words. But you know, Hagar had that same gift in some ways that Roth did. They're very different, but they were able to kind of translate the Eddie Van Halen music parts, the song ideas, the you know, the almost finished songs, and make them into songs. So, well,
3: yeah, they had tremendous yeah. hits afterwards. I mean, that's the concert we saw. I'll never forget it. The fifty-one fifty tour, I think maybe where we went to Richmond and watched yeah. them. I mean, they still had so many wonderful hits, and when I hear them, there's not a band, Steve and Greg, in my opinion, that has lost a singer or broken up like this and that has that still was this good afterwards. Now, of course, you're going to have the diehards who are going to be saying, oh, that was a bunch of bullshit, you know, I don't like that, but that's a shallow mind because they made really good music afterwards. And, and what I want to ask you, Greg, is how hard was it for Eddie and Alex and Michael to continue i'm sure they wanted to keep making music but did they have to search for sammy or did sammy come to them or how how yeah, they I mean, do that the,
2: the, the story basically is that uh that um you're in love with sammy and uh eddie both like ferraris and the story goes that eddie um was in the ferrari shop getting his ferrari fixed, and the guy in, in la um this guy named claudio who was a kind of a high-end ferrari mechanic said what's wrong eddie you look sad you know he's a italian guy and he said well you know, my singer just quit and I don't know what's going to happen with the band. And the guy who said, well, you should call Sammy. And supposedly that's the story. Um, <laughs> in fact, if you watch, I do have to jump off after this, unfortunately guys, but if okay. you know, I can't drive 55 video, the very beginning when Sammy's driving the, the Ferrari, that's the famous Ferrari that Sammy had taken to be repaired. So that's right Gosh, before Sammy joined Van Halen. So um, yeah, it's it. an interesting, uh, an interesting thing there, but you know, it was, it was a great partnership by, I think, uh, like uh, Ron is indicating, there's a lot of people who just want to, like, you know, be very tribal about what type of Van Halen they like. But um, yeah, you know, they, see, like you said, they continued on. I don't do that on, shit. I like, I like all the Van with, Halen. I like both flavors. They made, uh, two, three, <laughs> four, four, four albums and a lot of album with with Hagar, and they were, you know, they sold millions and millions of records with him too. So yeah, it, it was definitely a great feat for them to, to turn it around um, okay. after Dave leaves leaves and then go on and have a uh, great success with Sammy. So
3: Greg, one yeah. last question. You yes, knew sir. the producer, you
2: talked to him, you made another book. What's the name of your net, your second book? Oh, it's Ted Templeman, a platinum producers, life in music. So Ted is the guy who not only produced Van Halen, but he also produced, uh, Sammy. So he was the record producer that I can't drive 55 with Sammy. And so made a lot of all the Juby brothers songs on the radio that you guys know, everyone knows that's Ted Te- Templeman too. So it was a wow. great honor to write his story. And yeah, awesome. it's, uh, anyway i appreciate a bit of uh just it was nice to talk to you guys and awesome Greg. it was nice great to, to meet up. you thank you for your Craig, time thank you brother all right there you go but you, take go. Care, bud. you just See hang ya. up ron you
0: stay right there okay as i play right. the uh i can't drive 55 official video and look at that ferrari right there with sammy Hagar. oh this thing is running <laughs> great it I wish you could hear it. So I don't know why I you can't hear it. it. I'm just so I know, glad you were willing. You, know, you, you did that faintly well, in the difference? background. Look out,
3: Jack! Hey. Yes, I can. Wait, oh, no. oh, hold on. I'm gone. I never, never liked that song. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You didn't? No, no, it's just too cheesy. Too cheesy. Me, that's that's my personal taste. It's a banger, as the kids say. No, it was, but
3: it wasn't my gig.
0: All right, so uh, maybe the, the best, the ultimate Van Halen song. What is it for you? Is it Eruption? And you really got me. And isn't you really got me a remake of a Kinks song? Uh, or is it an original? Yeah, they, Look that well, one up. Because
3: no, no, I can't they remember.
0: Did quite a few remakes. They um. What's great know, about did... this Eruption is it's just this you know tangled ball of an amazing guitar solo. And yes. then out of this flaming wreckage of a guitar solo comes this great riff. And to open a set and open a concert with that was something else. Yep, yep. Now I one of my probably
3: my favorite song was um I love the song I'll Wait. I'll wait. Tell my love, come and I just yeah, that's a good I one. I just love yeah, I love that, and I also there's a song called Ice Cream Man. were yeah. Brough singing Ice Cream Man, but there's so many songs. Of course, I haven't listened to Van Halen in a while. Um, I will probably tomorrow, but it's like you said, it was such a huge part of my childhood, especially getting ready for uh, getting ready for ball games. You know, on the team bus heading for a football game. You were right listening to time. it of on course, a yellow clamshell Walkman like me right? no, I, I had the big silver one the huge Ooh. one the first <laughs> one that came
0: out <laughs> not even the sport just, one was it a headset nah, or was, was it a boom box
3: nah, were you playing it for head the
0: head whole head. team like hey team how about this was a
3: Sony Walkman one I still have it too but I you know he's
0: gone I just uh, I don't know you wonder if cigarettes killed him or what killed him but well, probably didn't help know. throat cancer he'd been battling it for 10 years I I wish you could listen. I'm just getting to the uh, part. Here we go. Here we go. And out of the fire. Fucking A. Yeah. Yep. And then they just drop in. They drop in with the heavy drum beat, backing guitars, and then the vocals. And
3: and, and listen, people that are listening to this, there is more than a... You know, there's a really good chance that seven out of the ten people listening to this were Van Halen fans. It's Probably, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's they We've were got, that popular. Yeah, I've got younger listeners, but hopefully, if you're somebody young that is hooked into Van Halen and is a big fan, I want to hear from you because I dig it when the younger dudes are like, "Hey, I know this band is for you old, you old fuddy-duddies, but I've listened and it's good <laughs> shit."
3: Yep. <laughs> So let me, t- I'll tell you a quick story. I, I don't know how much time you have, but we all just met. We we met in our dorm, Ellicott 4, at the University of Maryland. These guys from New Jersey, this Indiana kid, in me, I'm like, you know, what's, what's up with these New Jersey kids? They're characters. They're total characters. <laughs> so we get, into, uh, we get into Guns N' Roses, but we really got hard into Van Halen. So none of us have any cars except for one dude, Wade Bueller, who is from Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. So we get in his Chevy. I forget what it was called. It was like one of those little Chevy box things. Well, six of us get in this thing and haul ass down 95 and go to Richmond Coliseum for a, um, for a festival seating or what's it called? You know, where there's no, no reserve seating. So we get there, we make banners, we do the whole fucking thing. So we get there, we, we run into the Richmond Coliseum when the doors open, we get front row, We have to sit there for like two and a half hours. We watched the opening band. I don't remember it was, but then Van Halen comes out. And again, this was with Sammy, but he takes, this is the biggest moment of our lives up to this point. We made this tarp that said Van Halen rocks the Terps and Terps. We did in the red and white pattern of Eddie's guitar. And they hold it up on stage. It was like, we were like, Oh my God, losing our mind. Uh, Like Eddie had one side of it and Sammy had the other. And then Sammy, we threw up a Corduroy University of Maryland hat, and Sammy wore it backwards during I Can't Drive Fifty Five. And
0: for us that you know, we were this That's the greatest we were, moment of your life. Yeah, Sammy we Hagar so, took our so cool. hat and was wearing it. That's yeah. so awesome.
3: And the most incredible thing about this trip was that, that that little piece of shit car made it down and back. Uh you know, and
0: we were doing like eighty five, of course, but yeah. just memories. That's, and Steve, you know that's the thing, man. It brings you back brings you back to the best of times the music that was your favorite music
3: right well and 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 something else i want to say to you is that you know today i played my first senior event the maryland state senior open first round Way to what go, old guy but but how that relates to what i'm talking about is when i remember looking at a senior golfer and thinking wow those guys are old you know or, or not that they're old but they're so much older than me yeah. and i'm playing and Time flies. That's my point. Like, I I remember that day 30 years ago, 1988, 32 years ago, being at that concert. I remember nearly every moment of it. And just like that, 32 years goes by. It's just incredible how quick. The lesson. How how, how quickly time goes by. So what's the lesson? uh, Oh, you're right. Live it. I know. Embrace every moment. Which Embrace you're doing, day.
0: and I love what you're doing in your Oh, God, my voice. <clears> right. Right. Excuse me. You're doing it. You're playing. You're playing a lot of golf these days, a lot of competitions. I love it. You're playing with your son. Winston just won an event at Swan Point, yeah. a golf course that I hey, used to schlep <laughs> all the way down. Can you believe, we, knowing where I live? That me yeah. and my no accounts would go drive down to Swan Point some 65 miles away just because it was a new upscale public course in the D.C. area. And really, D.C. area is a stretch way the now it's all the way, way
3: down on the Potomac River. But it's kind of it's, when you go there, you feel like you're going away. It's almost like you're in feels like you're so, in Myrtle Beach. You know, South Carolina or Myrtle Beach
0: or somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Hard golf course. Uh, fun golf. Course. But
3: I got to I got to caddy for him. That's another topic. I, I got to caddy for Winston. And boy, is that hard because you just want him you know I'm, he won and that's wonderful competition wasn't the hardest i'll just say that quietly
0: but he still cares winning no i know, play I know but i win.
3: have to but but i have to be transparent you know i mean he beats some good players i know but it's so hard to be on that bag because and you why want to be so well you just you want him to do so well you want every shot because you know me i mean i know as a player how disappointing it is when you hit a pretty bad, bad shot. shot, and kids that or age you, are going to hit you, pretty bad shots. Or shot. you
0: choke a little bit, or you make a bad decision. How many times are you – and you're allowed to give him advice, right?
3: Oh, no, I'm in it. I'm his caddy. Okay. I'm there.
0: So you're allowed yeah. to say, okay, look, Winston, we want to avoid that bunker there. Let's just put it up here. Mm-hmm. Does he push back on you like, Dad, Dad, I can do this? Or does he just uh, take what you say and go with it? No, I give
3: him the options. If He, he has final say. He's the player, and he – yeah, just like a normal caddy would. Oh, that's but great. Um, it's just such a wonderful moment to be out there with him, and we've competed together. You know, we've he and I have wanted father son together. But I just, you know, I'm in a really good place right now, Steve. I don't. I just am in a really, really good place. I'm happy. Of course, the weather has a lot to do with it. It stopped raining, and it's not ninety fucking five degrees. Are you? But, can I uh, ask
0: if you're off Facebook still? Uh, yeah, off Are Facebook. You?
3: Completely. Don't lie to me. One.
0: No I am 100%. no wonder no wonder why you're so much happier. No wonder that certainly helps amongst other things clean living, sober living, doing what you love, playing golf, being with your son. Good shit right there, Ronnie, yeah. all right, no time for the nBA finals. We'll do it next week, okay, when it's There's all nothing
3: s- to talk about. It's dog shit.
0: Well, we'll we'll talk about it then (laughs) next time. I go out with a live version of Van Halen, I Can't Drive, 55, from 1986. All right, buddy.
3: Thank you, Steve. See you, pal. Take
0: care, buddy. All right. Quick COVID points. I promise won't take more than two minutes, then we're done. Top German Virologist. Ooh, the Germans. The
1: Germans.
0: Come on, Zabe. You're gonna play the Germans? Yeah, you gotta play the Germans. All right, Top German Virologist. Here we go. Burns and the Germans. Oh,
1: another Friday is upon us. Oh
3: what'll you be doing, Smithies? Oh, Something no. gay, no doubt. <laughs>
0: Wha-
3: what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Ooh, the Germans oh, are mad at me. I'm so scared. Ooh, the
2: Germans! Uh-oh, the Germans are coming me. to get stop me. Oh, easy, gosh. don't let the Germans come after Please me. stop the
0: pretending you oh, no, Top me. German virologist comes out and says, look, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, this thing is way, way less deadly than we thought at first. All these interventions are having virtually no provable positive effect. And more importantly, we're causing a lot of harm Here, 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 and here. This needs to end. So maybe it's not just some people in this country that people politically hate. There's other people around the world, and they're out there. You can find them. You can read them. Doctors, epidemiologists, other countries that are saying, what are we doing here? Florida update, 10 days ago, Governor Ron DeSantis lifted all restrictions. A lot of people freaked out. Well, 10 days later, they've checked the reproductive rate of the virus. It has not budged. It was 0.097. 10 days ago, it's 0.097. Now, could go up again. Virus got a virus, but right now, so far, so good. 70,000 college tests have been collated or gathered or put into a spreadsheet. Someone's been tracking the number of reported collegiate coronavirus positive tests. So 70,000 positive tests. Tests on college campuses, hospitalizations, three. Oh, 3,000? No. Three. 300? No. Three hospitalizations, zero deaths. And that's 70,000 positives. Think of all the negative tests if the positivity rate on that is about 6%, I'm guessing, which is around the national average, maybe more, call it 10%. That's uh, 10%, 70,000, that's uh, seven, se- 7 million, 7 million, 7 million college tests, Oof. three hospitalizations, zero deaths. Okay. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers limiting bars and restaurants to 25% capacity until after the election. Hmm. Okay. And then there's this must-read article on herd immunity by Martin Coldorf professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and a biostatistician and epidemiologist specializing in spread of infectious diseases. Wow, this guy's from Harvard and he's all that? It sounds like he's a smart guy. Here's what he says. Quote, the pandemic will not be over until we reach herd immunity, either through a vaccine or through natural infections. Herd immunity is not a strategy but a proven scientific phenomenon. And to deny that is as silly as denying gravity. With the right strategy, we can even use it to save lives. Under the vaccine scenario, he writes, this, the right strategy is to protect the elderly and other high-risk groups until they're protected by herd immunity, while the younger generations keep society afloat. Under the second scenario of natural immunity, the right strategy is to protect the elderly and other high-risk groups until they're protected by herd immunity while the younger generation keeps society afloat. If these two strategies sound about the same rights, Professor Koldorf, Harvard Medical School, they are. And that is true. But truth these days seemingly is increasingly Forbidden to be spoken. All right. Ending on something positive. Have you seen the video that has come out of a snowball fight recorded by cinema pioneers, the Lumiere brothers, in France in 1896? It is one of the earliest motion picture clips that has been preserved and documented and they took the clip, they colorized it a bit, and they had the speed adjusted because I think the old-timey films went super fast. Anyhow, it's an incredible video. I've watched it a bunch of times. I, I look at it, and I'm like, how do I know this was not shot in modern times? And I'm looking for every little tell, like, wait a minute, that guy in the background has got, got an iPhone. That can't be real. It got me to thinking of, I'd love to see all of the first film of this, the first film of that, the first film of whatever. And the more we can sort of preserve, fluff up, colorize, speed adjust, clean up, the better. Although I would like to see them in their original state. Just because as a video nerd, as a hobbyist, I think to myself... Man, the tools we have now are so good, so insanely good for the consumer. And yet, 120 years ago, the first person to be able to record motion, some act that happened in real life, not a painting, not even a photograph, which was revolutionary when it was invented, but motion pictures. I mean, that's the stuff of pure voodoo. Back in the day. And they were figuring out how to do it. And I could just imagine them looking around like, wow, we got it. Look at that snowball fight. Pretty cool stuff. Is it as cool as a cat video on TikTok? Mm, Probably not. But it's cool to me, a video nerd. That'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening and being a loyal Zabecast fan, remember this is not a full-blown recap of everything that's happened in sports or otherwise in a 24-hour period. It is just a supplement stuff that I have not gotten to in my otherwise 6 hours on the radio, 6 to 9 a.m. on the Game in Milwaukee 97.3 and on 980 in DC from 3 to 6 in the afternoon. Tune into both of those, tell a couple friends, spread the word, and if you want to support this podcast and the overall efforts, then subscribe to Fridays and Get Football Five Ways Fridays. Yes, my picks went one and two, but my lock came home. So the lock is four, four, four and oh. And I'm going to make you money again this Friday. Thanks so much for listening. Tell a couple friends. Have a great Wednesday. And we will see you next time. Hey, unless you've been under a rock, you know the NFL is back, college football is back, and the NBA Finals are underway. Prime betting season right now. It's winning season, though, at MyBookie. I don't know about you guys, but a little something-something on the game, whether it's not that much or maybe more than not that much, if you've got a hunch about something, is a lot more fun than just flipping around, oh, there's a game on. Get with MyBookie. MyBookie MyBookie.com, the official website to get your sweet action with this ZabeCast. Go there right now and put your deposit in. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Pretty sweet, right? Plus, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away five grand in cash prizes every four weeks. I mean, come on. Get in on this. It is the best leverage you'll ever get to win a big payday without having to risk losing a big payday. All that and more is at mybookie.com. Promo code Zabe. That's promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha BRAVO, ECHO. Get that 100% dollar-for-dollar matchup. Sign up today and bet with the site I use, mybookie.com. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, it's all there at
1: mybookie.com.
2: dot com.